All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast here on The Overlap. I'm Ellie Techley, as always, joined here with Rian. Rian, it sounds like um, you've had a pretty good week so far. Yes, I have. I have had a pretty good week. You know, my Sunday actually was probably, in terms of sports, I mean, my weekend was nice. It was very good, very fun weekend. But Sunday was perfect. I got an unbelievable trifecta in terms of sports happiness. Um, yeah, start off beginning of the day, Chelsea wins, right? A convincing win, another good, another good performance by by the uh, by the young boys. The Chelsea. Blues are back. Yeah, and then follow that up with an Eagles win, of course. Big win. Yep, Eagles win. Very also a pretty comfortable win in that too. Comfortable, but and not then, convincing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jets are actually just quite horrible, but <laughs> but still, still, still have to win the game. Um, and then uh, follow that up with watching the Cowboys get uh, basically embarrassed by the Packers, who the Eagles beat last week, and and the Cowboys have at Lambo at Lambo. Yeah, beat them. Yeah, Eagles beat them at Lambo. Um, yeah, so getting to see the Cowboys uh, go from. 3-0 where they were beating literally the worst teams in the NFL, and now they are falling right back down to uh, now the division's tied. So Eagles have started horribly and somehow are tied for the lead in the NFC. So that's a happy day overall. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny how uh, things work out like that. Obviously, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna talk any shit now, um, but um, you know things are looking good. But you forgot uh, two major games this weekend, too. I'm kind of disappointed. Oh, no, yeah, no, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, now you remember. Yeah, 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 of course. I mean, I I wasn't emotionally invested in those games, so they they didn't. They didn't do much to my, uh, I guess, sports happiness. But I did. (laughs) But we did, obviously, have, uh, you know, Barcelona and Sevilla, which, you know, obviously we'll talk about that game when we get into our, um, our recap of the weekend for for Spain and, and England, but, you know, a convincing result, although uh, I'm sure Sevilla will be a little upset that they weren't able to score in the first half at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and then, but, but you know, the big match of the weekend overall was Inter and Juve. You had the two top two teams in Italy face off. And uh, granted, yes, Juve did come out with the win, you know, 2-1, and most people might look at that and be like, oh, well, Juve's just going to walk it again. But no, no, Inter at start of the season hadn't had won every one of their games. And they were actually they were quite good um, for the first half. It was a real it was a, it was an awesome game. I mean overall the game was fantastic. Um, but I think uh, actually like today or yesterday, that game was like the f- first time that maybe a lot of people watched Juve and could see, oh, that's a sorry team. They 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 really did like their second half for Juve there, they pressed so well and they really took control of that game. And, you know, I, it's not that it's a, not that like Inter are frauds or anything. It's just Juve have more talent. So I still think, I still think Inter are probably are one of the three best teams in Italy. And and I think they'll stay right around Juve for, you know, at least until the last month of the season or something like that. But 
It was a great game. Yeah. It was a great game overall, and, and a great and Higuain, the the Pillsbury Doughboy himself, <laughs> coming, up, coming up again. You know, great. I mean, a good goal. That whole that was a great team goal from from Juve. Um, they're really. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, they're turning into sorry. Like they it's they're gonna they're like turning into a sorry team. Like I don't know what else to say. I mean, I've watched. I obviously seen a lot of sorry being a Chelsea fan, but um, yeah, they're they're really like taking his tactics and they're adapting to it very well and yep and that was and they played that game without Douglas Costa too so yeah no I mean I agree with you I think that second goal uh the Higuain goal the build-up for that like the 20 I think it was 27 passes leading up to that goal were sublime it was peak sorry ball and exactly what you would want to see out of it um and so I'm glad to see Juve um getting the most out of or maybe not that way but sorry getting the most out of Juve I should say because there were a lot of doubts going into the season obviously but you know that that weekend or this past weekend is for later in the week obviously we are here like we promised from last week to talk a little bit of Champions League from match day two starting off in group a so just to remind you guys, the teams in Group A are PSG, Galatasaray, Real Madrid, and Club Bruges. So, pretty convincing slash straightforward, I would say, for PSG in in their tie against Galatasaray. Not an easy side to uh, to really go up against in a in a one on one or a one off tie. It's I should say. To go to but what did you what like, you make of this, so this game? So many big teams have trouble getting. Uh, getting a win there, you know that it wouldn't have been wouldn't have been crazy for PSG to come out of this game w- with a draw, um, especially after how well they played in the first game against Madrid. And you know they would have, I think they would have more or less taken a draw here and, and expect themselves to beat Galatasaray at, at home. But no, no, they came out real in this game. They they could have scored early in this game um, and, and just kept getting chance after chance and worked it very well. We saw Hart. Uh, and here, uh, I think he started for them over the weekend too. Um, this past weekend in France, and scored. Uh, I believe he scored as well. And, and, um, but you know they were they were good. They were very solid this game. They um, limited Galatasaray chances very well. And you know your your boy or I guess former boy maybe Sarabia <laughs> yeah, uh, got an assist <laughs> in this game. So, yeah. No, I yeah, you're, you're former La Liga, but they, but they, yeah, it's convincing. I think um, a very solid result, and and especially with what happened in Madrid, this, you know, it's only two games, but it would take a lot for them not to win the group now. PSG. It really would take a lot for them to win the group. Um, they obviously have you know three more games to, or I guess four more games to go. Um, up against, they still have to go to Real Madrid, go to Club Bruges, so. Those aren't easy games uh, on top of that as well, but PSG are looking comfortable both in the league and in Europe um, for at least the first couple weeks of the European campaign. And so I personally was not necessarily surprised to see them get a a good result um, coming out of Turkey. But like we said, Galatasaray, and especially because of that atmosphere, how loud it is, how intense it is, it swallows teams up. Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of Anfield in that sense. Um, and obviously there are you know, different levels to each stadium, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so big result for PSG. Um, I think they overall played really well. Neymar has been clutch for them outside of the Champions League, and I can't even imagine 
what bringing him back in after his, his band is complete, um, bringing back him to the team is going to do. Um, because you put him into the forward line where Bacardi's largely been leading that line um, while the other two have, have been injured, the other two being Cavani and Mbappe. So bringing all of their forward attacking prowess back in time to go to Club Bruges and to go to the Santiago Bernabeu, like, that's, that's something to be aware of for other teams in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. They're... they're with how other teams have played, um, and we'll get to this as we go through the groups, with how fallible a lot of the traditional big boys have seemed this season, um, they you know, this is it's gonna be a great this is a great chance for them if they're able to figure things out with Neymar. And it seems like for the most part they figure things out like it seems like Neymar has just kind of gotten on with it now. Um, obviously, the first few weeks back were always going to be really difficult, you know, because how awkward everything was. But, um, but I, I think, <laughs> I think, you know, as the season goes on, it seems like he's like he's just kind of you know getting on with it. You know, he's just like, all right, I'm here, I'm going to play, and and um, not letting it affect him too much. But I think as we go forward, they they have a great chance this season to to finally finally you know justify all the money that they put into the team right the thing is they have they've had that chance like every season for the past three to four years so i don't know what to expect out of them once we get to the knockout rounds so yeah like they they do look better in the early stages but like at the same time i'm not i'm still not putting them in my my favorites to win the champions league that that isn't going to happen until they pretty much prove that they can get to the semifinal stage because outside of that we haven't seen them do that so i have i have no reason no, to I, think I that agree. way I, I do i feel like you know maybe my last thing on this i do feel like their midfield three this year is the best iteration they've ever had i really feel like they've found something with verati and Idrissa gay and that and now marquinhos playing holding mid you know, which you know, allows you know Kimpembe to do more and be uh, play center back with Silva. And stuff. So, I, I I feel very I feel confident about their defending this season more um, more than I've ever had in, in past years. Yeah, that's I mean that's also very fair, and I think we all kind of have high hopes for them after the first couple uh, first couple of games, but we'll see how that form kind of continues into the rest of Europe and their their league campaign. So. With that, we'll go ahead and move on to the other game in Group A. Real Madrid at home at the Santiago Bernabeu against Club Bruges. Um, this got off to a slightly shaky start. Is that is that fair to say? Slightly. Slightly shaky in the sense that um, Bruce, Club Bruges goal scorer literally his legs were shaking every time he went into <laughs> he like almost face planted twice <laughs> unreal uh, no, yeah I'd say slightly shaky is correct yeah I think uh, extremely shaky actually is probably how I put it so obviously Club Bruges get out to a 1-0 lead um, and then they get out to a 2-0 lead uh, right before the half and you start to hear the whistles at halftime, um, which is just a, a beautiful sound from from the Real Madrid favorites. And oh man, it's just I love hearing that. Anyway, but that's not my bias showing. Um, for for Club Bruges to go up like that and just essentially playing counterattacking football, when you look at the the spacing that was in behind the Real Madrid midfield, 
it's not hard to pinpoint why they were able to get in behind because there was little in the way of tracking back from from the their midfield three, um, and on top of that, the pace of the Club Bruges wingers outmatched the fullbacks as well as Ramos in the middle, and made it hell in the first half for. Uh, for Real Madrid, especially defensively. You can talk about Courtois all day and his mishaps and his quote-unquote gastroenteritis that <laughs> Real Madrid said he had, yeah, which is why yes, he was subbed off. Hurt pride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that is quite literally in Spain, like, historically that is used as, like, a symbol of some other thing that's going on. Like, I don't know if that's the case outside of Spain, but, like, in Spain, when you say, when a player says they have gastroenteritis, that's like, oh, like, you're you're bluffing. Like, something else is going on. So I'm not at all surprised that this happened. <laughs> yeah, no. There, I mean, it, is, seems, it seems so easy to get around Tony Cruz. <laughs> I, I, I mean, granted, he's not... He's not uh, he's not number six, so you don't expect him to do that. But um, it feels like Casemiro has to do a lot of running. You know, it, it feels like he is left with a lot of responsibility there. And and uh, I feel like we've seen this a lot from Real Madrid this season overall. Um, just their midfield has a their midfield's not providing much cover to their to their back line. Um, no, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, and then obviously you have um, Modric came back in this game. And this was, his, this was his first Champions League match back, for sure. Um, and he's <laughs> obviously the reason for the second goal. It's just a, just a, um, something you would not expect from the Ballon d'Or holder. Um, Stop. Just, just why did you why did you have to say that? <laughs> I mean, you, you know you know how I feel about that. His name, dude. He was he was like the best player of the World Cup last year. All right, so sweet. I can play great for oh, like no, no, three no, weeks. No, 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 just stop. That's where you should have to stop. You, okay. you st- all right, whatever. You know what? Continue. I mean, Jeez. Anyway, um, gonna have a freaking brain aneurysm um, over here. But no, uh, yeah, he, he's the really. Uh, the ma- he's the reason why the second goal happens, um, but they're they're lacking a lot of mobility there in, in that midfield. They don't. <sighs> the things when you play with that three man midfield there, you expect at least one of your guys to be somewhat box to box. I mean, Casemiro's not. That's not Casemiro's game. Um, he's he's the traditional six, but Modric nor Cruz are like your. Eights are our, our, our real eights, and and if people are wondering like what what I mean by like number six and number eight, so like number six is just like a holding midfielder. Um, number eight is like someone who goes box to box, who does who will run into the box when you have the ball and and, and provide support there, but then also tracks back and will you know provide some help to the defenders. But they, Madrid don't have someone like that right now. But I mean, they do kind of have someone like that. Valverde actually is that. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I just wonder if he if he makes more sense in that midfield right now than you know than Tony Cruz. But it's obvious, but it's in, almost impossible to make that decision <laughs> to not to yeah. play Valverde instead of Cruz. So I actually don't think that Valverde makes more sense than Cruz right now. I think Cruz is vital, essentially, to them going forward. And the only way that it, 
they've essentially proven in the last couple of weeks that they're going to win games by just forcing in goals or more goals than the opponent rather than trying to structurally defend uh, against an attack. And so I think Kroos offers much more than any of their other midfielders right now going forward. I think the other shout could be James for for that sort of role, um, as we saw kind of this past weekend. But Tony Kroos, I think, is vital right now to this Real Madrid team. Um, defensively, he's shambolic because that's not what he knows how to do. But if you put him in the midfield three as kind of an eight, then I think you get a lot out of him as long as you don't ask him to track back. That's <laughs> well, obviously not, huge. And, and it's not the role. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's, he's eight in the attacking sense, <laughs> which is just not what you need, right? So, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, and and I, I kind of, you know, think that, like I said, Real Madrid's midfield is going to be look very different next summer. Um, but that's... Uh, that's for another time, yeah. I guess. So, anyway, in the second half, although they they were able to crawl back um, early on the the first or the second half, I should say they they grabbed the goal and then towards the end of the second half they tied it up, picking up a point, which shockingly still puts them at the bottom of uh, of Group A. Yeah. Well, well, before that, let me, what are your thoughts on the on the um, the Ramos goal? Because from one angle, he looks like he's yeah. way offside, and I'm mm. unsure how, how they went to VR and, and um, overturned it. I mean, there was another angle that they show that makes him look like he's onside, but I... I don't know. I mean, it's the traditional angle that you that they always show it. He looked way offside, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know, not, it's, not for like, it's not like a VAR thing right now but, but it was just no. odd. it was just very odd for him to look so offside from like the normal camera angle that we always get for <laughs> and then being shown some other angle that I've, I've maybe never seen before and he was totally onside so. <laughs> that's that's the thing right so yeah no it was at first when we saw the angle I was like what like that seriously you went to VAR and you actively said that's onside and then Again, they sh- it's all about angles. So they showed a slightly different angle where he actually was in line. If you look at the the lining of the blades of grass and where the last defender was, he was barely on side. He just because he was behind three defenders and the fullback was, or I guess the player in the fullback position was keeping him on side. It just looked so off. And so that's where I think the uproar came. But a couple minutes later, you realize that it was onside. And then VAR, at the end of the day, did its job. Yeah. But no, you're right. Um, you know, we, have, we have in the group PSG still sitting on top with six points. And then Club Bruges, you know, with, the, with that, getting a, getting a point there, a massive point away f- at, the, at the Bernabeu. Um, two points yeah. in second. And Galatasaray and Madrid sitting on one point together. Still... Not worried. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still not worried about Madrid making it out of this group because they they go to Turkey next, I believe. Their next two games are against Galatasaray. Um, you know, it, obviously we can get we can start getting worried if they're unable to win in Turkey. They're going to need to win um, both both those games really to be for me to not to me for me to feel confident still that they're going to make it through. Um, but yeah. I expect them to. Um, yeah, whether it's experience or just pure talent-wise, yeah, I, I 
I don't think we're worried about them making it out of the group. Um, we're just still worried about long term in Europe. What is this? Was what do these results or what do these performances really show? Right, right. We'll have a conversation later on if they aren't able to get a result uh, away at Galatasaray. So that'll be interesting. But. With that, that kind of concludes Group A. So moving on to Group B here. Um, fans, look away. <laughs> just, just turn it off now, dude. Just, just turn it off now. I'm going to be honest. Just skip ahead like 15 minutes. <laughs> just skip ahead 15 minutes if you want to hear us talk about other stuff. I, I just don't listen to this. And I would also advise don't even listen to us when we do the Premier League recap of this past weekend in the next episode. So... Just a warning, full on warning. But go on, Ellis. Oh my! So my initial reactions of this game. Obviously, we are talking about the seven-two Bayern Spurs game at Tottenham Hotspurs new stadium. My initial reactions are as follows. <laughs> <laughs> This was the most ridiculous game of the year already. Um, Spurs, obviously, pulling out in front, um, which seems like forever ago. <laughs> but I will point out that Spurs didn't actually lead this game at one point. Um, they did start off well. They started off pretty well. The I mean, first 15 minutes were amazing. Very well. Yeah, the first, the first 20, 25 minutes of this game was awesome. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I think... What they may have forgotten is that in football, games last 90 minutes. (laughs) And you can't play like that and tail off. So the first 15 minutes were great. Obviously, Sun is in on goal. And after putting on some pressure onto the Bayern midfield and eventually their defense, they were through and on goal. Sun nets one. Great goal. um, Run it back. And we're (laughs) we're back to square one after Bayern get one about a couple minutes later. Um, I mean, mean, to be fair, the Kimmich goal is... Just oh, it was it was uh, it was a beautiful goal. I'm not taking anything away from him, but he's such a baller. He's such a baller. I fucking I really like Joshua Kimmich. I actually I'm not his biggest fan, but good goal for him. Whatever. <laughs> so he he gets he gets that right, um, and so <laughs> as the the half progresses, you know it's a lot of back and forth. Bayern starts to build pressure, and then what? Whatever Lewandowski did in about the 10 seconds leading up to the second goal, the second Bayern goal, was, like, world-class. Like, I, I, I can't stress how underrated I think the previous 10 seconds to his goal actually were. Basically, his positioning and his technical quality to flick the ball. I, I, do you know whose head it was that he flicked the ball over? Uh, I believe it was... I believe it was Danny Rose. Danny, um, okay. I, could be wrong, I was I, I was thinking was Winks, but I'm not sure. So, well, let's say it was Danny Rose. So, flicking the ball over him, playing the ball back towards the 18, it eventually gets blocked. But Lewandowski is smart enough to continue his run to where his position should be, which is at the top of the 18. Eventually, gets it at the top of the 18, stops it, and is is able to turn and without even looking at the corner, places it. Perfectly past Lloris. On Ryan looking at the goal. He didn't look at the goal. He, d- he didn't look at the goal. At he just knew where it was. And that for me was one of the best goals of the season because of how incredibly gifted and talented that all around that goal was from the, the previous 10 seconds all the way to the finish. So I mean, that first half, 
Um, at the end of the day, it was Spurs could have gotten back into that game um, at the beginning yeah. of the second half. No, no. So, so let's. So I mean, just on the first half, because obviously the second half turns into a mess, right? They get just completely out. Not even just outplayed, but they like give up at some point in the second half. But I mean, the first half, you know, Spurs has have great chance at the beginning, and. Actually, if you look at the expected goals numbers, Spurs actually their expected goals are higher than than uh, Bayern's, which I mean just tells you the the finishing quality of Bayern during that game was otherworldly. So, but from the off, from the beginning of that game, both teams were having chances. So it's not like Tottenham were completely outplaying them or anything, right? But especially on Bayern's side, they're strategy was so clear from the beginning which was play the ball over the top into the into the um into the channels and we saw we saw Gnabry get in early and get one-on-one with Loris but he gets saved and we saw Coman doing the same thing they were playing into the channels they were just destroying them on the wings like the entire game they're destroying them on the wings and we know Tottenham are horrible defending on the wings and we saw it they carried it on into the Premier League weekend. They were horrible defending on the wings um, against Brighton. Their fullbacks are an absolute shit show. <laughs> an absolute shit show. They they can't defend one on one on the out wide. Um, Danny Rose is just is has really regressed from from what I used to think that he's one of the best left backs in England. Um, a couple, like two years ago, but he's regressed completely, and they're not getting any help from their midfield. Their midfield, there's no one who's actually good at defending in their midfield. For, like honestly, there's no one that's actually good at defending in their midfield. There's no one who's actually really providing cover. Harry Winks, I suppose, is a player. <laughs> <laughs> Do do you also think that he's a uh, make a wish player? (laughs) No, 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 he's not. He's not. He actually came through. Like he actually came through Tottenham's academy. So it's not like it's not like he was supposed to go to like uh, Watford and somehow ended up getting a transfer to Tottenham. (laughs) But but no, they're not. Like the first half, they. They easily could have. I think it could have been a draw going into the first, going into the into half. I mean, I think they were a little. They were unlucky to actually go in losing. You know, they were unlucky that Robin Lewandowski was on the field, really. But you know, it, it was obvious from the beginning what Bayern were trying to do, which was just go at their fullbacks, go at their wings as much as possible. And then, obviously, if you want to take away what happened into the second half, um, like like assault. <laughs> like like literal assault happened in the uh in the second half and I was not okay with that. <laughs> um no, but I was so fun fact, I was working uh from home that afternoon and uh I was in the middle of a call and I had the game on mute in the background and I look up and I saw 3-1. I was like, "Oh wow, they did it. They they've probably finished this game off. I mean, good for Bayern's big important away run." Oh, way win. And um, went back to the call. Look up. 7-2. What? When did that happen? Like, they just went off in the last 15 minutes of that game. 
And I think the the scariest part about uh, the scare the scariest part for Spurs about this game is that they showed their best and worst shades, and the fact that they weren't able to actually keep up their best shades in the beginning is is the most concerning part. They can't finish a game. They don't have the mentality, the strength, the the fortitude to do that. And if you think that you're going to go up against any of the European top teams after making it to a Champions League final and play remotely close to how they did in the last 15 minutes of that game, they're not even going to make it out of the group stage. I mean, more than likely they will in reality, but come on. That, like, that can't happen. There's something seriously wrong with the squad from, I, I think, a non-footballing point of view. And I don't know, I don't even know where to, to pinpoint things other than that Pochettino. Yeah, I mean we've we've been talk we've been talking about this for weeks now, dude. It's it's not the players. The talent is there. We I think we both agree that they're the third best team in England. And they just have not played like that. And it's it's you it's easy. You it's to watch. You just watch it and they don't look like the same team from the past years. Granted, they were actually pretty horrible the second half of last season. Right, yeah. the, the the Champions League really papered over the, a lot the of cracks, cracks. A lot of cracks. Right, um, you know their form since I believe like February last year has February in, in terms of the Premier League from February until now they've been in relegation form. It's been relegation form in terms of the points that they've gotten. Um, yeah, I mean we keep talking about the fact that these players want that players want to leave. Um, They've largely kept the same team for like five years now, and that just does not happen. That's not that's that, that doesn't happen for a reason, basically, and we're seeing it right now. But you know, even in terms of second half, Bayern's finishing was fantastic. We said that. I said that, right? You know, the expected goals actually show that you know that Spurs were somewhat unlucky. But don't get it twisted that. Although those finishes were not were, were very tough finishes that were executed very well, the fact that they were getting into those positions was purely Tottenham's uh, Tottenham's doing of their own. Misplaced passes, um, people not following runners. Toby Alderweireld, Grant, it's it's okay to get turned by by Gnabry, right? It's okay, um, but horrible defending one on one against against uh, Gnabry. No one actually back there to to just say we got to just sit on this and and someone has to get someone has to just hold this together like just stop going forward so much you know they're giving the ball away there was no help back in terms <laughs> of the midfield no one helping I mean at some point you have to guard yourself from being embarrassed like that's that's just a mindset that's not you getting out that's not just like talent right at some point. You have to just be like, fuck it. We're down five two. We have to just we have to just like sit in here and, and let's just get some sort of control here. And they never did. They never did. They they gave the ball away so cheaply and lost every fifty fifty battle and every second ball and just just quit. This literally quit the last fifteen minutes of that game. And that's the most damning thing because the response to that quitting 
was not good in when they went in when they uh, came back to play in the Premier League over the weekend. So we know we know that these players are good. It's not it has nothing to do with that. It's obviously something internal. It's something internal. It's the mindset. It's it's whatever. Maybe they, maybe they just stop listening to the manager. I, I don't know. I don't know. We don't know what it is, and we're not going to know fully because all this is very internal. But there's something deeply wrong, and and I mean, I'm ready to say it's a crisis. It's a, it, it is. You know, this this is. I mean, it's the it's a crisis from a from a non-footballing perspective. I I agree with that. Like, it's something that has been going on for several months now since last year's Champions League campaign. That. That surely makes it a, a long-term issue. Yeah, and like this, this is not like the United situation in terms of a crisis, where that's actually just horrible management from top to bottom. This is squad this is just, crisis almost. This is emotional. There's like an emotional crisis going on here, and and I don't know how he turns it around. I said it before. This is Pochettino's. This is going to be the biggest challenge of his career. Like this is easily the biggest challenge because not just to get these players back in the right right mindset, but like get himself back in the right mindset because he's he's obviously does not want to be there. As like, <laughs> him and Erickson together, him Erickson, Alderweireld, um, likely Vertonghen, Danny Rose, like all these guys, they. They didn't want to be here, <laughs> like in the last, like by the end of the by the end of the summer, and you know he he's got. I think he has to look himself in the mirror first and figure out what what does he want. What does he want to do? <laughs> like, just, like what what does Pochettino want to do? Like, it, it's going to be hard to motivate um, these players, obviously, but he has to motivate himself to figure out the solution because. This is this is not something that's going to be fixed with one result. Like one result is not fin- is not fixing this. Agreed. So. Agreed. They have their their stuff to sort out, um, and it, it's not going to be a pretty road ahead. So, with that, we can move over. I can't believe we're only on the second game of Group B, but Olympiacos and Red Star here. Um, Olympiacos taking an L. In this case, um, Red Star coming out with a big 3-1 win. Obviously, Olympiacos did get a result against Spurs in the first match day of the Champions League. So very, very big win for Red Star in this case. Um, In the long term, I don't think that either of us agree that this will make a large difference. But it's nice to see uh, Red Star putting up a fight for uh, for what will likely be that Europa League spot. Yeah, of course, of course. They put themselves in the second place with that win. Um, Tottenham sitting in third, and Olympiacos in fourth, both tied on one point. So, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, again, not worried. Not worried about Spurs making now the group, but you know, um, now their next two games are against Red Star, and it's not going to be easy to go to Croatia <laughs> and, yeah. and, and get a and get a win there. So, uh, we'll we'll just have to see. Exactly. Exactly. So, best of luck to them, um, but it's going to be a tough road. Tough road ahead. So. With that, we're going to go ahead and move on to Group F. This is Rian and I's essentially group of death. Um, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Slavia Praha, and Dortmund. Um, we'll start off here with the Barcelona-Inter game, um, which 
honestly was very cagey. Very, very cagey. Um, I know you were watching the Chelsea game at the same time, but that game started off was pretty much all Inter for a large portion of the, the early parts of that game. I mean, granted, there were moments of, of individual brilliance um, on Barcelona's end, but all in all, this was this was Inter's game in, I would say, the first 25 minutes. Um, Laturo Martinez, uh, the Argentine striker, um, has really, really been showing up uh, for both Inter and Argentina. And I think for him, he has a very, very bright future ahead, and he showed why at the Camp Nou this this past week. He did score the first goal of the game, um, gave Inter a 1-0 lead, um, before uh, the half, it was actually early on in the in the first half, but went into halftime and Inter were still up one zero. Um, before Barcelona were able to crawl crawl their way back um, in into the second half, courtesy of two Luis Suarez goals. Um, yeah, I think I think you <laughs> rightly pointed out to me where um, where I was wrong about Luis Suarez in some cases. Um, but, uh, he's still, he's still overweight in my opinion. He's still slow. He still holds up play poorly. Um, and his touches wow. slim bias, slim bias. Uh, oh dude. my God. Slim bias. Relax. Relax. You don't appreciate the thickness of him <laughs> as I would expect. Right. <laughs> Anyone can anyone can lose weight, dude. It takes takes being a man to have to control the chub. Hold okay? on, my control. Alexa has something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes it takes skill to control the Alexa. Stop little, little chubbiness, the little chubbiness that you have around their stomach. There, you know, it, it's not easy. To, it's not easy to play at this level and ha- carry that much weight. All right, it's actually much harder. I, I can't believe what I'm hearing right now, but all right, whatever whatever bias you want to have with Hazard being overweight, with Iguain being overweight, sure. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold it against you, but if you wanna if you wanna make it sound like uh, you're pro fat fat for professional soccer players, Hazard weight is is entirely in his ass. So that one's fine. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, it's all spherical. Yeah, I lied. Um, but no, like I said, so this was not Barcelona's best game of the season by far. Um, really individual talent um, came through at the end in, in Luis Suarez. And the first goal he scored, honestly, okay, I want to break down both goals that he scored. The first goal that was played in on the cross from, I believe it was Semedo, that volley was unreal. Like the placement of that volley is so Difficult. I, I'm, I'm shocked that he, he. He's one of the best finishers. He's still one of the best. He's still one of the top finishers in in absolutely. The world. But I remember um, my caveat from last week. He's one of the best in the world while standing still. And what was he doing when he scored that goal? Standing still. So if you don't have to make him run, he's fine. I have no problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> and he basically was sideways on that. Come on, give him some credit. Yeah, I'll give him some yeah. credit for contorting was, his body. It was fantastic. I mean, and then the second goal, oh my gosh, the first touch that he takes is just sublime. Oh my, it's it's. He's still such a great finisher. Um, when he's given the service, he's you know he's finishes. He's, he's such. He's so smart, and uh, I mean, really, that first touch on on the second goal to take it away. From I believe it was Godin that was that was diving in on him. Yeah, um, 
take it away from him and then and finish it really coolly. This this is what's going to keep Griezmann out of the team, obviously. Um, yeah, that's another but, interesting caveat. Um, yeah, that we can we can get to. Um, but yeah. I mean, I think overall, my overall feeling in this game, Inter played very well in the first half. They they I'm sure that the whole team and and Conte are going to be kicking themselves the fact that they weren't able to add to that lead because they had chances. They should have they should have made it two 0 at some point. But, you know, somewhat similar to their game against Juve this past weekend, it's just, you know, the, the talent isn't quite there yet. Right. You can see the vision, you can see the identity of the team, but the talent isn't quite there yet. That they're, you know, that, that's something that'll take, like, a year. That'll something that'll take, like, what, maybe a couple more transfer windows, really, um, for Inter to get to the level where, you know, they're able to stick in a game like this where, you know, Barca don't need many chances to score, um, and then Inter needed more. So, yeah, yeah, that's um, that's very accurate statement. Honestly, um, at the end of the day, like I said, it was individual quality that shone through, and um, that's kind of how the game went. There's nothing really special about it. Nothing incredibly, um, you know, important that stuck out um, from either side, other than the fact that it was a pretty solid performance overall from both teams um but at the end of the day barcelona do come out with the three points a very important three points at that um against moving on i guess to the other side of the um the group uh a Dortmund win um which also gave them three points leaving both of those teams tied um tied at the top so Dortmund um on behalf of oh, whatever jordan sancho is doing in the world right now because he's killing it um just tearing apart Slavia Praha um, at Slavia Praha. Um, so props to a very fast-paced, very, I wouldn't say actually say very young, but very fast-paced Dorman side, um, still managing to come out with a 2-0 victory. Um, did you have any thoughts on this game? I thought it was very straightforward. Yeah, it was good yeah, yeah, a good, good win for, for Dorman, um, obviously going away and getting that result huge. Um, that'll you know that's cool. one of their toughest obviously away games, but but you know it's not not an easy one to go to Prague and and get that result. Um, big shout out to Hakimi, the Real Madrid loanee who's on his I think I think he's on his second year of, of his loan with Dortmund. Um, he had both of those goals, two really well taken goals. Um, yeah, they they they, they uh, especially after really disappointingly not being able to finish their chances against Barcelona um, in the in the first game you know they, they come back here and they're, and they're able to get the job done and you know, put themselves in first for now um, yeah that, it, it, it was a good it was a good day for Dortmund uh, uh, obviously their defense is always a little shaky but this is a good result. Now they have two straight against Inter, which will be fun. Those will be really fun games. Those will be very entertaining games. I can't wait to watch those two. Um, and <laughs> very difficult games for Barcelona coming up. Uh, first one's away at Slavia Praha, and then uh, come back to the camp now. But yeah, that's um, that's that's going to be very two very interesting ties. Um, I can't wait to see how Dortmund do in Italy too. Not an easy place to go at Inter. 
No, it's not. <laughs> not remotely. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, with that, that wraps up Group F. And on to Group E. Um, man, half of this group was wild. The other half was a snooze fest. So we'll start off with the entertaining side. Um, Liverpool at home at Anfield going up against our beloved Red Bull Salzburg. Rian, late on me. What you, would you make of this? Oh, oh man, I, I really, really wish that this wasn't on the same day as the Chelsea game because I would have been just doused watching this game. It's so awesome. I mean, um, obviously Liverpool's go off, start off 3 nothing, and basically uh, just kind of go to sleep for, the, for, like, another, for like another half hour. Um, but... If anyone has not gotten the chance yet to watch the halftime speech from Jesse Marsh to Salzburg, you know, so they, so, you know, Liverpool go up 3 0. Um, Salzburg pull back one on a really, really nice goal um, by, I believe his name is Quan. Um, he Chan, He Chan. Huang He Chan from. Who had a great um, game. Yeah, had a great game. He had two goals in that game. But but the first goal where he sits down Van Dyke, you know, you really have to just like take a picture of that because it's very rarely going to happen for <laughs> Virgil Van Dyke. Um, but you know, we go into halftime and Jesse Marsh's speech, where you probably you might be able to find it on Twitter. You go into Red Bull uh, Salzburg's Twitter account; they'll most likely have it there. Um, he does a whole speech in what. I guess we'll call it uh, Danglish or Deutschlich. <laughs> he, 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 he speaks German. He's speaking German for like three quarters of it. And, and, and he obviously doesn't know some of the words. Like he, like he says, uh, I think he says, he says fight while he in within a sentence where he's speaking German. He doesn't know the word for his fight or struggle. Like in German, the, the word the struggle for struggle or, uh, fight is Kampf or Kampfen, but he but he gets but he just says fight and and it's just like his passion is fantastic and it's so entertaining and and he's like going in between two languages, but obviously it worked because they came out in the second half and they scored two quick goals. Um, our boy Holland gets on the on the score sheet again with probably the easiest goal of his life <laughs> to, to tap in. He didn't True. even start the game. He didn't start the game. Um, because I believe he he was coming, he was a little unfit. He got had a little injury from the weekend, um, but you know their, their fight back to three three was just wonderful, wonderful to watch. And and you know to be fair, I mean Liverpool's done much better teams. So you, so you, I don't think anyone ever felt like Liverpool weren't going to be able to get another goal there. But you know there's just just the passion from the team and. Um, you know, the playing style for Salzburg, they're, they play like a German team. Actually, they, they play very much like a German team, even though they're Austrian. Um, they, they press very high. There's a lot of energy in the team. And, and you know, it seems like they've taken very well to their coach so far. And, um, you know, Jesse Marsh is making his case is probably already the best American manager we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that came out of nowhere. You didn't even have to take it there, but all right. And probably already. Like, probably already, in all honesty. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, no one else has ever even coached a Champions League team. So, and you've got an egghead right now as the, the national team coach. 
I will I will hold off on that for another time. But um, overall, great, great stuff from Salzburg, uh, Liverpool again. I mean, they haven't played they haven't played great for basically since the international break, but finding ways to win uh, it's just a staple of a, of a great team really so you know there's just so much talent I, you know once the game is high scoring it's very hard to expect Liverpool not to win because of just just the quality in their in their front three so Agreed. Agreed. Although Mo Salah hasn't been up to to where I think a lot of Liverpool fans would want to see him at, I I think that the quality shown through at at the end, um, and it almost always does. But this is a special, is especially uh, true um, in this game. And it was a shame to see Jesse Marsh run all the way down to the corner flag when they tied it up three three, just to to have him go out like that. But Salzburg put up a great great fight. And I think that we all kind of have high hopes for Jesse Marsh going forward specifically. Yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, if, if you have a problem with, with Jesse Marsh running down and running down to his team after they tied it up against literally the champions of Europe and they're an Austrian team, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, I don't like, what, like, what are you, like, if you honestly have a problem with that, like, no, I, I mean, oh I, I don't have a problem. I'm just saying no, it was a you. shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the royal you there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you expect? I mean, it's his second Champions League match he's ever managed in his career. Like, it, it's, it's a pretty big deal. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Congratulations to him. Um, the other game in this group was an absolute snooze fest. Napoli tying Gank. Once again, my favorite... Fairly named team in this entire entirety of Europe right now. Um, Genk uh, tying 0-0 at home. Uh, Napoli being at home in this one. Um, So, again, a game that Napoli should have won for sure to keep them in contention up there with Liverpool for for first. But, once again, them slipping up and, um, what's it called, Napoli... Sorry, Napoli slipping up and Liverpool's quality showing through. So, that could be a test of things, um, things to come. Yeah, that's a big missed opportunity from Napoli, really. Especially, they did the hard part. They won. They beat Liverpool um, on match day one. And to be able to not not even score um, against Gank and come out of there with a draw is tough for them in terms of their um, in terms of being able to win this group. And you know, obviously, that'll be something that might really hurt them in, in the. Um, in the draw for for knockout stage, but now they go to they go to Salzburg. They go or they play Salzburg for their next two Champions League matches, which are not going to be easy games. <laughs> like, yeah. As as Gank knows, and as Liverpool has seen, you know, if you give Salzburg the slightest chance, they're going to punish you. So absolutely, absolutely, that will be exciting to say the very very least. So look out for all the action in Group E as well. And with that. We have groups H, D, C, and G to go, but we're going to take a quick break and we will join you right after that with the recap of those groups. Right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the pod with the rest of our match to match day two 
updates or review from this past week of Champions League games. So we're going to continue our journey through Europe, uh, starting off with Group H, the, in my opinion, second group of death. Um, and your beloved Blues, they did a thing. Yeah, yes, they did. They, As they have been most of the season, they um, they went away and won. They've In the Premier League and here in Europe now, they've been much better away from home than at home. And they went into Lille in a must win. I mean, a little, I mean, they needed to win this game. Absolutely. Um, and it put up an impressive result. Uh, you know, once again, <laughs> there's the troubles with, uh, the marking on set pieces. They still are having a lot of trouble with that. But outside of that, you know, you get a big goal from Tammy Abraham getting his first champions league goal. Uh, and then, you know, my uh, much maligned by my by me, I guess much maligned. Um, William coming up with a big goal at the end uh, in the last uh, 76 minute there to seal the win. You know, really, really good stuff from the team overall. They were able to. I mean, Lil didn't really have any chances in this game, to be honest. Um, outside of their outside of the corner, uh, where Osman just. Outside of not really being checked, like anyone hitting him or anything as he's running in for that um, header, he also just completely outjumps Zuma and Tamori, who are both very good jumpers of the ball. Osiman, I think I remember texting you, like, he got like four feet on his vertical there for that yeah. header. Um, but yeah, no, I, overall, overall, a great result. Again, this team. They're getting more healthier. Hudson Odoi came back in at the end of this game and was the um, assist man for Williams' goal. And you know this this team as they get healthier, the they're going to be a, a tougher, a better team. And uh, and I still like the chances of getting out of this group, especially with what happened in the in the other game. They needed Valencia to lose, so they put themselves in a good position. I agree. I mean, it was obviously, like you said, a necessary win given the the last couple of weeks that they've gone through. But at the same time, I think I'm still hesitant to say that they get out of this group. Like, I mean, from the beginning, I said that I think it's going to be Ajax Valencia. Um, I'm still sticking with that, even though Valencia, and we'll get to this in a second, just put in a terrible, terrible performance. Um, and I believe they were at the Mestaya for, for that one as well. So, God, that was horrendous <laughs> to watch. But, no, very, very positive from, from Chelsea. I thought overall their their play going forward was very, very well structured. Um, I thought Frank Lampard's ideas uh, shined through in, in, his, in his players this time around. Um, and this is the result of it. The only downside, obviously, is Christian Pulisic not really getting any minutes. But at the same time, at a higher level, you got to be happy for Chelsea in this one. Yeah, I mean, not yeah, not gonna not gonna get into the Pulisic thing again here. Um, I, I've said all I've said all that I've wanted. Your, your Twitter has everything I've that said anyone all, needs. I've said all I wanted to say on it, and and um, and I just there's nothing else to say in terms of Pulisic situation. But um, no, you're right. They, you Frank really showed great um, adaptability here because he knew he knew that Chelsea would have a lot of the ball and Lou would look to counterattack, right? Which is 
what Lil did all pretty much the entire game. And he went with a back three this time and really limited a lot of those opportunities for for Lil to to counterattack. So it was um it was great stuff in terms of managing and, and you know, obviously it's still just his second season managing, but it really I do feel like he's um He's learning on the job, obviously, but um, learning from from even the beginning of the season too. And you know, when you look at it, Chelsea has the best in this in this group. Chelsea has the best expected goal difference here of all the teams. They're, they're the only team actually that really? has a positive expected goal difference out of all four of these. Over Ajax, yes, Ajax. Well, you if you watch the Valencia game, Ajax gives up actually a lot of chances. Valencia, it's a bit harsh. The three 0 is a bit harsh for Valencia. It, um, it is, yeah. And, and you know, the first Ajax goal, Ziyech, it, that's a goal he'll score once every thirty times he takes that shot. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so to be fair. Um, but no, no, I, I think the underlying numbers are good for Chelsea. Um, I think going forward, the big thing is if they're able to get a win in either of these, they play, play Ajax for the next two. If they're, get a, if they're able to get a win in either of those games, um, I think they're, they've put themselves in a really good position to um, to make it out of the group. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I guess talking about going into that Ajax and Valencia game, I thought Valencia had chances at least early in the game. They 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 could have scored a couple times, and uh, the biggest one of all is Danny Pereira gets a penalty and puts it into like the third row, like the, the third like, <laughs> tier of the of, of uh, Valencia Stadium. It's it's yeah, I mean it's an amazing goal from Ziyech in the first place, and then. Um, the third goal is also just wonderful to uh, Dusan Tadic's assist on that is just top class. But uh, and Valencia is going to be very disappointed they that they really came out of that with with zero goals. They they, they had their chances and and just did not finish them. Yeah, I mean maybe I'm being a little harsh on Valencia, especially because I'm just kind of pissed off at them. <laughs> but yeah, I I do think they had their chances early, but again. It's almost a case of like the the whole Sevilla Barcelona game from this past weekend, where if you don't take your chances, you're going to get punished, right? So, in that sense, I, I, they they didn't deserve to win um, like that. So I, I don't know. I I think that the biggest winner, honestly, out of this entire weekend is Chelsea um, for that second spot behind Ajax, and I think the most promising thing that we saw outside of the win was that their passage of play and the way that the, that Frank Lampard has consistently expressed that he wants to see Chelsea play was able to get them the win rather than changing things up making structural changes to the team they played the way that they wanted to play and they were able to go into France and get a win and I think that was the most important thing yeah absolutely the three points was was more important than anything else here but it is good to see um, this team is growing in confidence and I'm sure we'll talk more about it in our Premier League recap, but um, yeah, good, good things, good things, really, especially from how the season started for Chelsea, um, and obviously with how the first game against Valencia went too. Which obviously, it was just a tough, tough match, uh, tough lesson, really, for the team uh, in not being able for to Ross convert. Barkley or? For, <laughs> yeah, for for everyone, <laughs> for for everyone, really, you know, a lesson in if you don't take your again, like you said, if you don't take your chances. You could it all it takes is one moment really to get punished, so. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So big games in Group H rounding out that group. Uh, like we said, Ajax beating Valencia 3-0. Um, and that, for the rest of the European campaign and, and the group stages, is going to be extremely interesting to see who takes the top two spots because it's kind of up in the air right now. Um, so with that, we'll go ahead and move on to Group D, featuring Juventus, Bayer Leverkusen, Atletico Madrid, and Lokomotiv Moscow. So we'll start off with the Juve game. Uh, they played Bayer Leverkusen. I believe it was away at Bayer Leverkusen. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but they nonetheless came out with a 3-0 victory, um, courtesy of no Ronaldo goals. <laughs> um, but what are you yeah. now? He scored. <laughs> he scored the third I know, one. <laughs> I know. I know. I actually forgot he scored the last one. I'm not going to lie. I, <laughs> for some reason, I thought it was someone very obscure that scored the last goal. But yeah, it doesn't doesn't count. It's fine. Whatever. Um, yeah, so pretty straightforward win for them at the end of the day, right? Uh, am I is that yeah, am yeah, I they, incorrect they, they in dominated, saying that? Completely dominated the game, um, and re- really, Leverkusen had no uh, no real chances during the game. Um, yeah, they, they again. I, I guess obviously that parlaying into what was what was what was seen um, just yesterday against Inter. They're they're a team that's building confidence, and they have the talent, and they're. Um, they're slowly putting themselves in. I think they'll have to, they have to be considered one of the favorites um, to to win the Champions League this season. I I, th- I really think I really think they are. Uh, they're they've been solid defensively. Benucci and Delict have been have gotten better and better the more they've been playing together, as you'd expect. Delict has made a lot of individual errors, though, like high profile I, individual as, errors. But as you expect from someone who's twenty years old, and so it's not. It's it's obviously that is something that will happen from time to time, but I think he showed last season that, especially in the Champions League, that for the most part he's going to be very consistent. You know, he'll make he'll make the error from time to time, but um, I I think overall he's he's still their second best uh, defender on the team. So you know, well, I still feel I feel good about their defense overall. Um, and they looked more potent going forward too, and just to think about what the quality they have on the bench too. The fact they're not playing Paulo Dybala uh, every game is uh, quite a luxury for Juventus. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like based on this past weekend that Sarri is more willing to play him um, than he previously may have been. So that's a good sign to see him getting some minutes on on top of that. But like you said, this is a dominant Juventus performance. Um, in fact, I don't have much to add besides that. I did take a look at a lot of the um, the highlights and some of the match footage as well from this game. But outside of maybe a couple minutes here and there, I really don't think Bayer Leverkusen had had much in this game. Is is there someone in the background that also wants to join the podcast? <laughs> I've, 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 somehow the mute button does not work very well on this TV. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, no, but you're totally correct in terms of that. Um, shall we move on to Atleti and Lokomotiv? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so Atletico, um, I, I want to correct myself, by the way. Juventus did play in Turin, not at, um, or I should say, in Germany for that game. But anyway, moving on to the Atletico game um, against Lokomotiv Moscow. 
Yeah, again, another very straightforward performance. I think this was a little bit cagier than the, the Juventus Bayer Leverkusen game, but there was no point in this game that I think Atletico fans didn't think that they were going to, to get the win. Um, and so it was encouraging to see um, Atletico get um, more than one goal in a game <laughs> instead of winning 1-0. Um, and so I'm sure Simeone will be will be happy to see that. Some of what he's trying to implement from an attacking standpoint is working. Um, I think the biggest takeaway ultimately is that they were able to come out of this game unscathed with three points. They go home on to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw for the first time he played he played Felix Costa and Morata all together here. Um, he played Felix on the right, but for a lot of this game, Felix was coming into the middle to support the two those guys, and and also he was linking up well with with uh, the right back Arias. Um, yeah, they were great. They 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 were very clinical. I mean, Felix was awesome. Um, he scored scores his first Champions League goal, first of I'm expecting very many, and he did. And uh, he, he doesn't get the assist on the on the Partey goal, um, but he gets he gets like the uh, hockey assist more or less. He, he plays a awesome ball over the top to Costa, who squares it for Partey, and Partey was again massive in this game. He's yeah, that's two straight games against. Two straight, two straight games. You know, obviously Real Madrid, he was fantastic, and then go away to Moscow, and he puts in a great performance again. And you know, they're they're uh, sitting in a decent position. Obviously, they have to. They had a great comeback against Juve in the first game, coming back from down two goals, and got the job done here. It's a very professional two 0 win away in Europe, and you know they move along, and you know, them and Juve looking very comfortable in this in this uh, group, and it's really all about. It's just going to come down to. Um, I, think, I believe they might be playing the last day, or sorry, the second to last match day. They're playing against each other, um, so that looks like that'll pretty much decide who wins. Who wins the group? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Juve and Atletico continue to dominate this group like we expected, and no surprises here as they go on through the rest of their uh, European campaigns in the group stages. So, good wins for them. Moving on to Group C, um, another important win for Manchester City who have been very very defensively shaky um, as we all know but they were they did manage to keep a clean sheet this time around, uh, this time around playing Dynamo Zagreb um, at the Etihad I, I believe I'm getting my home and away fixtures mixed up here but I believe that was at the Etihad um, and so coming out with a 2-0 win is always big um, again they're the by far the favorites in this group so it's not surprising but i think the important thing for pep here was that there was an a point in this game as well where he thought that it could get away with away from him um in this in not in the same way that we saw this past weekend yeah exactly um no yeah they very comfortable this entire game for them um Nice to see Phil Foden get on the score sheet for his city there. Yeah, you do. I do somewhat worry about him because he's at the age where he has to be playing almost every week, and he plays very little. <laughs> and um, and Pep's not necessarily someone who get, who's like the team is too good for him to really give a chance to Foden like that. And and it's not something that necessarily Pep is known for either. So um, 
Well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, he, he was responsible for a large majority of some of the Barcelona youth coming through and, and developing them. But, I, I mean, I'm certainly a proponent of Phil Foden getting more minutes. It's just a matter of who do you take out, <laughs> you know? That's the, that's the tougher part. No, yeah, it's, exactly, exactly. And, and it's really up to him, <laughs> at this up to Foden himself. I don't know whether he wants to go away and, and actually play, because he needs to. Yeah. Like, it, it's very – you really have to stress. He has to play at this. He has to be playing – Regularly for someone right now, um, so you, I do. I do wonder. If, you know, we'll, I guess we'll see in January if maybe he try looks for, look for a loan. But um, you know, either way, outside of that, very comfortable for City um, again. And like I said, I like I said on uh, on Twitter you know, when Laporte comes back, you know, with how cheeky everyone else has been, everyone has shown very shown they're, they're frail in some sense in terms of either their tactics or or their players in terms of like the normal big boys right i mean liverpool have not looked dominating right um and obviously tottenham have been <laughs> have been what we've seen and and then you obviously have as well um Real Madrid not looking super dominant, but City have the what we think is the best squad, maybe outside of the defenders um, in Europe. But they have enough. They have enough to to win the Champions League this season, and I think it'll be very disappointing for them to not at least make it to the semifinals. And so, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I'd be very surprised if they didn't as well, knocking out big teams along the way. It's just a matter of what they can do about the defenders, right? I mean, <laughs> availability is the best thing that any of their players um, at the center-back position can offer right now. And Otamendi is not going to cut it. Fernandinho, even less so um, in that position. Actually, maybe even more so than Otamendi, because that's not... I, I really, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, definitely. I would probably rather have Fernandinho as my center right, back. <laughs> right, which is saying a lot about Otamendi. But they, if, if healthy, they have a very strong chance of going far in the Champions League. Um, I think Pep himself has said... That winning the Premier League is more difficult than the Champions League, and I think a lot of coaches on top of that would agree with that because of how consistent you need to win or the basis in which you need to win. And so one-off games, you can probably you know have a higher likelihood of, of getting a win um, or having a match go either way, more so, I should say, if, if they're up against better competition. So, yeah, I would still peg Man City to get very far in the Champions League. In terms of winning it, Ooh, I don't know. They they definitely are one of the big favorites, I would say. Um, but they, they should certainly have enough to get out of this group, obviously, and make it far. Atalanta, Shakhtar, um, the other game in this group. Atalanta proving that they have gone a f- just done a full 180, for example, from last season um, and decided they don't want to show up. They're still sitting on zero points uh, after two games. Yeah, they, they, com- they were complete. They were literally their more or less their own worst enemy. They should have scored early in this game and and kind of got sucker punched in the last in the second half by Shakhtar. Um, you know, like I guess, like we've said before, 
they're not as experienced in this competition. So, you know, maybe that's something that comes with playing more games, whatnot. But uh, they'll be really disappointed because they they dominated for the most part in the first half and got you know hit with a goal at the end of the um, close to the end of the first, and then got hit with a goal in the last three minutes yeah. of um, of the game. So, you know, they've got to pick themselves back up. But they, uh, and they especially now because their next two are against the city. Right. Uh, and they're, they put themselves in a massive hole. Yeah, there. I don't think that uh, while there are still four games left, it's not looking good for them, especially based on their domestic. their very successful domestic season last year. Um, but with Shakhtar sitting right below City and in, in second on three points, tied with Zagreb, um, I do, like I said at the beginning um, of the Champions League, believe that City and Shakhtar are going to be the two teams to get out of this group. And I think we kind of agree on that as well. So... That's a pretty straightforward group in my opinion, Um, but we will go ahead and move on to Group G featuring Leipzig, Leon, Zenit, and Benfica. So let's start off with this Leipzig-Leon tie. I thought this was a very interesting tie. Um, Leon did end up with a 2-0 win. Um, What did you make of this? Uh, I mean, if you thought that Atalanta would be kicking themselves, Leipzig... (laughs) Leon's only chances were two giveaways in the back by Leipzig, and and that was the two goals that were scored. Um, Timo Werner goes one on one with uh, Leon's keeper twice in the first half hour, and you expect him to finish, and, and he misses misses both of them. Um, extremely disappointing. Um, yeah, that, that was very. Cons- I mean. It, you know, it's it is it is football. So there's always the variance and stuff. If you don't finish, if you don't finish your chances, like like I said the, again, those two two mistakes and they gave up two goals and they and the game's gone from them. Um, uh, overall, I'm not worried. I think I think they'll still make it out of this group. Um, their next two games, um, I believe, are against Benfica. Um, we'll have to. I will have. Let me give me a second while I double check that. You Enjoy. mean Leipzig? Yeah, no, Benny. Benny. Leipzig's next two games are against Zenit, actually. So, so they've got a chance to, to, you know, right the ship here. They're only one point off of second and first, so they're in, in, by no means out of out of this. Um, and like we said, this is a very evenly matched group, so results could very, very easy, very quickly match to match. Um, the only team that doesn't have a point right now is Benfica. So um, not overall worried because I thought they played, they easily played well enough to win this game, but mental errors will always cost you, especially in the Champions League. Absolutely, absolutely. This is one of the groups that we highlighted that was a little bit more evenly split between the, the quality of, of the, all the sides. I'm surprised Benfica still haven't picked up a single point. That is the one shock, I will say. Zenit um, have shown bits and pieces of quality. I think the biggest thing about Zenit that they they offer is that they are pretty fast-paced, uh, which doesn't always necessarily mean that they're a strong side, especially because they're relatively you know route one um, and direct. But they did manage to get a 3-1 win over Benfica, which is... Very, very important because Benfica, for me, were one of the stronger sides in this group. Um, it's just a shame that, like you said, Leipzig weren't able to pick up any points against Leon after, to- I mean, yeah, like you said, talk about kicking yourself. <laughs> they really should have been <laughs> up in this game, um, especially in the first half. So, yeah, this will be an interesting group on top of the other ones that we've talked about. 
Um, I'm less certain about who comes out of this group now based on this week's results. I think in about two match days we'll be able to figure out a little bit more, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit more conflicted. Yeah, I, 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 I think um, my prediction was Leipzig and Leon. I'm still going to stick with that. I still think those are the two most talented teams. Um, and I still think Leipzig, and Leipzig are still dealing with some injuries. They still have the American Tyler Adams, who started almost every one of their games um, in the second half of last season. So he should be coming back after the international break. And I think he'll be a big help for them uh, in terms of just defensively and you know, we're seeing it in the Bundesliga too. They're having some trouble. So I, I'm not worried about Leipzig and, and I think that's a big win for Leon. And I trust that Leon will be able to get, get results against Benfica. So I, I'm still going to go with those two. Fair. Very fair. I catch me in another week match day. I need another match day to figure it out because I, I don't want to make a prediction and, and be very wrong. Cause I'm still that torn on things right now, but that all in all wraps up, all of the Champions League groups that um, <laughs> that are in this year's competition. So, as always for the Champions League, we're going to wrap up this week's pod for uh, for us here, talking about our three stars of the week. So, Rian, go ahead and start things off. Yeah, of course. So, my first star of the week, I'm going to have to give it to obviously Sergio Navri putting up four goals against Tottenham and finishing the night off with a tweet saying that North London is red. Um, that was a, that was a nice little touch of the end. A little there. flex. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his pace and power. Oh my gosh, just a, a, unreal. Um, the player that he's become uh, since leaving Arsenal is is uh, really extremely impressive. He's become one of Germany's most important players and. Um, and same with Bayern, one of the Bayern's most important players. So he's my first star. Um, second star, I'm going to throw to uh, João Felix. So he's getting his first Champions League goal and, and uh, overall linking up very well with Morata and Diego Costa, something that I think is going to become more and more and more comfortable as the season goes on. Uh, so good for him. And then my last star, I have to give it to Jesse Marsh. You know, his his halftime speech and, and uh, his team, you know, having such a great fight back when they easily could have folded. They could have folded quite easily at Anfield down three goals. Um, but no, they fought back and, and he has to get a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I think those are all very, very um, good shouts. I only have one that is uh, shared between us. Serge Gnabry being the, the obvious one. There is, there's a very, very limited list of players that have scored four goals in any Champions League game, um, one of the, which is obviously Lionel Messi um, in, in recent memory. Um, I believe Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Yeah, Lewandowski, Lewandowski yeah, against also. Real Madrid in 2013 yep. in Champions League. So yep. putting four up uh, there as well. So there are some noble players that are still around that have, have done it, um, but this is a feat that very, very, very few people ever get to say that that they accomplished. So shout out to him, um, regardless of how crap Spurs just folded in the, the latter half of the second half. So shout out to him. My other two, so we'll start off with Laturo Martinez. I mentioned him a little bit during the, the Barcelona um, 
inter portion of the the podcast. But I thought he was very impressive going forward. It was a shame that he honestly didn't get another goal because he really looked like he was in the mood. He makes extremely good darting runs in between the channels. I think he links up very well. Um, I think he can honestly play in a winger or central position, but I think the center is a little bit more suited towards him. I thought he had a great game, even though he just got that one goal in the, in the second minute. But yeah, shout out to Martinez. Hope he can do big things at the Copa America in Argentina as well next summer. Um, but my last and uh, probably someone that will be dear to my heart for a little bit, Dennis, man. Dennis for Club Bruges, putting up two at the Bernabeu. Yeah, not not that many people have done that either, especially with a team like Bruges who don't obviously have the talent that Real Madrid do. But to go in there with the confidence to get two goals against Real Madrid is is huge, even though you look like an absolute clown doing both of those things. Shout out to him for having a, a great first half. Not so sure about that second half, but yeah, he had a great first half. So those are my three stars of the week. Rian, before we, uh, before we wrap up, is there anything you wanted to add? Um, as always, if you are not already, please subscribe to us on either Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're on Twitter, follow us at the Overlap underscore pod. And like we said at the end of last week, we're now on Twitter as well, the Overlap pod. So There you go. I think you covered everything from my end as well. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up here on the second match day review for the Champions League groups. And we will see you guys very soon for a recap of this past weekend's games. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys.